My name is Amelia and you're watching the Amelia Things Podcast. Thank you so much for listening into this episode and I hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm back. It's been a while. I just had some technical difficulties. It was really bad. But I'm here now. My name is Amelia and you're here. Yep, somehow you made it here, but you're here. So today we're going to be doing a serial killer i was actually really hesitant to do this i was like should i do it but it's something that i really love to talk about so we're gonna be doing the harold shipman case otherwise known as dr death or angel of the death yeah those are his nicknames actually and the reason why i was kind of hesitant to do this is because i don't know if it would be interesting to talk about a crime, you know, to talk about crime. I don't know if that's interesting to people. Like, is it? Is it interesting to people, like, to just listen to me talk about? I like, I like, me personally, I like listening to them, but I don't know. But here we are. I decided to do it, and I'm going to stop rambling, and I'm going to get right into the case so we can dig right deep into it. So, Harold Shipman is a man. <laughs> he was born. Oh, God. Oh, no. Something happened. Hold on. Okay. Well. Anyways. <sighs> he was born on 1946, January 14th. That's his birthday. He's British, and he died at age 47 yeah and he for the most part he was a well he lived in the uk i don't know if you say uk or you say britain but i'm just gonna say uk for the rest of this so so he was born january 14th there weren't wasn't a lot of information on his childhood because some people say that it might have been his childhood that made him traumatized or corrupted that made him, you know, commit these crimes. But no, there isn't really anything. I think he lived a pretty good life, I guess, for the most part. He didn't endure anything traumatizing. I guess it was pretty mediocre. He's born in the Beastwood Council Estate in Nottingham, England. His father was Harold Frederick Shipman. He was a lorry driver, and I didn't know what a lorry driver was, but it's just like a truck driver, and I don't know why they called it different. But And his mother was very Brit- Britain. Um, I think maybe something that, I guess, it wasn't his childhood, but his mother died of terminal cancer at the age of 17. I want to think about that as his early childhood because i mean (sighs) he was already 17 you know i don't know maybe that was traumatizing for him but i don't i don't know he wasn't a child i'm just gonna set up even though his mother died he still continued with school and people say that after his mother died he that's when he started becoming interested in studying medicine I guess just seeing his mother die, I don't know, interested him in learning more about the medical career and, you know, just start his career. So he did continue studying and he was very, very good at sports. 
He's a a distance runner and a rugby player. I guess those involve running, so I mean, <laughs> must be pretty good. He was very close to his mother, and he was very devastated when she passed away. So I was very sad. I guess that's the only thing. Like I said, he lived a pretty mediocre childhood and early life. But when he was 17, that was not when he was in early childhood stage. <clears throat> so he um, started attending the Leeds School of Medicine after graduating. So he did continue his studies, which is pretty good. And then he soon began working at the Pontefract General Infirmary in Pontefract. Um, after that, he did take on a position as a GP, which if you don't know what a GP is, it's a general practitioner. I didn't know that until today. At the Abraham Abraham Ormerod Medical Center in Tom Norton. I'm so sorry. I'm butchering these words. He was caught forging prescriptions of pethidine, which is a narcotic usually used for severe pain to give to patients for, with severe pain. He was addicted to it, and he was caught forging it. He was fined 600 pounds, and I think I hit the mic, um, and was ordered to attend a drug rehabilitation clinic in New York. I'm not really sure if it's talking about New York in the U.S. or New York maybe, I don't know. But it just says New York and the research I did. So he started working at a, as a GP at the uh, Donnybrook Medical Center in 1977. Did I mention it was 1974 when he took the the first general practitioner job? It was 1974. I'm trying to set like a timeline, but also tell you. So then he started working at the Donnybrook in 1977, and... Over the years, he was said to have a good reputation for being hardworking and a trustworthy doctor, which is pretty good because in his last job, he was fired and he was caught forging. So that wasn't a very good start to his career. Um, since he was such a hardworking and trustworthy doctor, as said like by others, nobody really like noticed or realized like what was going on you know because he had a high death rate all of his patients like died and in 1998 he actually mm, how do i say this okay so a girl a woman named linda reynolds reynolds um, became really concerned about his high death rate because all his patients were dying and they're all dying like in large numbers of like patients like his patients were all dying in large numbers and that's a little bit sketchy if you think about it like this doctor that is so trustworthy and so hardworking is just you know not very good at his job because all his patients were dying at a very high and also at a very unusual rate. His colleagues and people around him started to notice that, like, something was going on, you know? Everybody noticed that there was... It wasn't very practical if all his patients were dying. Every single one of them, you know? It's a little bit sketchy. Even though they wanted to go to the police with it, the police 
could not really find any evidence at that time to find and convict him of murder and to bring charges and arrest him. They didn't have any information, enough information that all they had was like the colleague's word and, you know, that never really works. And like I said before, he had developed like an image for himself. And I guess when you saw him, you wouldn't really think of him to be a killer or to kill his patients. But at some point, if you were around somebody, like, what do, do you not notice? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, obviously, but... And it's also really sad that the exact number of his victims could not even be established. So, A, that they did not have any evidence, even though I bet you have, like, a like a gut feeling, like, something's not very good about this. And it just, I don't know. I can't imagine being, like, a person that, like, something's not right, you know, and having that feeling. And the police cannot do anything about it. According to a report, he has said to begin killing in 1975. So, on the timeline, in 1974, he took um, a position as a GP first at the Abraham Almorod Medical Center in 1974. So, that's a year after he barely started working there. That's when he started to begin killing his patients. And he is said to have 215 victims. And in most cases, the victim was just given a lethal dose of painkiller diamorphine. But he would always, like, describe the death of a patient as natural causes, which, I mean, at some point, I don't know. Do they, did they not do autopsies or something? I don't know. But he would always put on, like, a report, like, when you die, they would always, like, on his death certificate, they'd just be like, oh, okay, he died or she died of natural causes, even though in most cases they died of diamorphine. So, the motives be- behind his crimes was always really unclear, and there has been a theory that he was avenging the death of his mother, and also others like suggest that he was practicing euthanasia and most of his patients or most of the people that died under his care were older women which is very specific but he also there was suggested that he thought that they were a burden on the healthcare system so those are some of the motives that people think that he had So, after a while, it started becoming very evident that financial gain wasn't one of his motives because that was also a theory that people had, that people thought that he, you know, killed people because a lot of the times he would just, like, put natural causes or, like, old age as the cause of death and one of his victims, he actually even forged the will of that person. Which is a little suspicious. I don't know. Like, if you're forging the will of one of your victims, 
the reason why people know this is that the daughter became very suspicious because he told the daughter that she died, the mother died of old age and that she wasn't really getting any information. So later on, while she was even sorting her mother's legal documents, she, she saw that she was excluded from her will, her mother's will. She was excluded with her and her children were excluded in a huge sum of that will, like money and stuff like that, was to Shipman. It's if you're the daughter and your mother excludes you and your children for a doctor, like, I don't know. But the daughter did get the mother's body exhumed and examined, and it was stated that she was an addict, but it was also soon revealed that her death had been written using a special computer program, which could be altered, you know, which means that her death certificate was probably not even real. Like I said, he forged the will. What's stopping him from forging the death certificate? Which is probably what he, he did do that, you know? But in this um, in this patient, I guess it was kind of different because in his other, his other patients, he would forge it with a typewriter. So I'm guessing that he used a different website or something. He was arrested on September 1998, the 7th of September. He was raided by the police in his own home, and the police found a collection of jewelry and an old typewriter, which, like I said, was the one that he used to forge things, and it was what he used to commit the forgery. Sorry, that was a really weird sentence. Um, I guess, uh, quickly, the police could see that this was not about just one case, and that, that it was it was getting serious. It was getting real up in that j- just place you know like if you were the police and you looked at this case i don't know make your own assumptions i feel like if i was the police and i just found like a bunch of jewelry and i see a doctor and i see he has quite a some some bit of money you know and then his his deaths i don't know I also saw an interview of while he was getting interviewed. Boy, well, he yeah, he was getting interviewed by a bunch of police and in that interview they showed pictures of two women that had died under his care. And what I thought was really weird is that when they showed him the picture cuz he was sitting facing the wall and the interviewer, the detectives Whoever was interviewing him was facing him, but he was facing the wall, so they couldn't really see until they went over and they showed him a picture of one of the women that had died, and all he did was close his eyes on both of them. Um, at some point, he even yawned in their interview, showing that he was probably bored, you know, and he just didn't talk. No, he didn't say anything, no comment, nothing, which is really weird, you know? I don't know. Um, they created a list of 15 cases to investigate. Obviously, they couldn't do all the cases. They couldn't find evidence of every single one that he did, so they only used 15 cases. 
they discovered that he had a pattern of like the patients had lethal doses of diamorphine which i mentioned before and he also falsified medical records to show that his victims were in poor health so yeah despite all the evidence against him he even still denied that he committed all of the crimes even though he had so much evidence and even his wife maintained the stance that he was innocent so his wife just was like yeah he's innocent you know i believe him i don't know don't they say in sickness and in health even as a serial killer (laughs) no i'm kidding but he was arrested on september 98 but his trial did not begin until 1999 so it's like a year after it was october 5th about a year after and on the 31st of january 2000 the jury found him guilty that's a long trial a whole year 19 it went from 1999 to 2000 not a whole year but it it went to the next year he was convicted guilty of 15 murders and one act of forgery he was sentenced to life in prison and he could not be released so no parole nothing like that um after he was convicted his name was off the register of the general medical council I mean, that's not an important fact, but I just thought it was funny, you know? Like, I don't know. You don't think that they, they would have taken his name off? Like, I don't know. I don't know. This is in United Kingdom, Britain. I don't know how how they do things over there. He died January 13th, 2004, about four years after he was convicted. He hung himself from the window bars of the cell in his prison using bed sheets. He was allegedly pronounced dead at 8.10 a.m. It was said that his um, victims and their relatives were really unsatisfied and disappointed because they never really got to get a confession or learn his motive behind all the things he did you know i guess it's just really disappointing to know that you'll never understand why they did it it's just like i don't know i couldn't imagine there isn't really any information about why he committed suicide but there was a theory that said that his wife's financial stability was doing not very good, so I guess he killed himself. And some also believe that he was murdered in a cell, which is, I think is highly unlikely. I don't know. How can you, like, fake a suicide by bed sheets in your prison cell? Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Thank goodness that after Shimon's case, there was changes made in the system of medical procedures in Britain and death certification was also changed in the way they do things, you know, so they don't get forged. And yeah, that's pretty much all the information there really was about Harold. It's pretty interesting, you know, there's... um. There's 
Mm, he was actually kind of, I wouldn't say famous, but uh, he was kind of, kind of known as one of the most prolific killers. And yeah. <sighs> so that's it. That's him. I'm going to overview because I feel like maybe if I overview. So he was born in 1946 and he died 2004. So, yeah, he was about 56, 57 years old when he died. Pretty young. There was even a documentary made about him. That's why I just said that he was, like, kind of famous because they made a documentary and they made videos about him and stuff like that. So, yeah, he was said... I don't know if I... Re- if I mentioned this but he was said to have killed about 250 which is a lot of people so bad that is harold shipman dr death yeah like i said this is the end of the podcast it's this is a very short one i think i wanted to do a short one for now i didn't want to do too much information but i think it was interesting maybe next time i'll do one that's a little bit a little bit better, you know, a little bit in detail. I think this is the first serial killer that I've ever, like, sat down and talked about, you know? So, yeah. That's Harold Shipman. I hoped, hope you enjoy this. And this is, like, I'm just going to upload this. I'm not even going to edit it. I think it'll be better if it's just raw. Just me talking, me rambling over a case that I liked. This case wasn't actually too graphic or anything. Still pretty bad, but it wasn't too graphic. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to me, whoever you are. Thank you. And this is it. This is the end. I don't know when I might do another podcast. Um, The last time I did one was the beginning of... The beginning of... 2021 and it's already february something i think i did in like the first week of january and it's already february 11th <sighs> so yeah i'll find time to do make more and i might just you know maybe pop in there and there just making a little little bit of podcast <laughs> just a little snippet you know like 20 minute long podcast that's it i hope you enjoy listening to me ramble and talk thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for standing there and you know listening to me and that is it